Father, as we stand at the outset of a new year, indeed of a new decade, and we pray that you would speak to us this morning and teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom that magnifies in our planning, in our living, in our doing, our Savior Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, have you made your resolutions for the new year yet? Good. I always try to make my resolutions measurable. Last year, I resolved to live forever. So far, so good. Give it up to Stephen Wright there. But um, and actually, good, it raises a good point, doesn't it? More often than not, at uh, the beginning of a, a year, our beginning of your plans are just they're too short-sighted. You know, we plan our year and maybe even our decade, right? I mean, we're closing out the 2010s this week, and we're bringing in the 2020s. Kind of weird to say we're now living in the 20s, but we are. But if that's the extent of the future that we have in sight, uh, when we make our life plans, we're not looking far enough ahead. And that's what I want us to think about this morning from a passage uh, all about planning for the future here in James chapter 4. And what God's doing in this chapter is he is calling us to plan for the future, not just a year out, not even just a decade out, but to plan in light of eternity. And he's calling us to consider the fact that because life is short and because God is sovereign, we should therefore plan like it. Life is short, God's in control, and that should radically change the way that we plan for the future. So look with me here, beginning at verse 13, at how James draws our attention uh, to the brevity of life. Look at verse 13. James writes this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a short time and then vanishes. I mean, how often do we hear people say basically that? Uh, they'll use the phrase, life is short. We hear that all the time. We say it, we hear other people say it. And usually it's an excuse to, to break a diet or to, to, to splurge on a purchase. Uh, but we use it. We use it all the time. Life is short. But have you ever stopped to consider what the phrase really means? Now, the word short only has meaning when it's understood in comparison with something else. So you take height, for example. I'm six foot. And in most rooms, I wouldn't say I'm a short guy. But in an NBA locker room, well, by that comparison, I would, I'd be pretty small. So what does it mean to say that life is short? Short in comparison to, to what? The average life expectancy in the United States, anyway, is, is still it's just shy of 80. It's like 78.8 something or other. So just, just round it up to 80. 80 years seems like a pretty long time, right? But just, just think 80 years ago, 1940, if I've added that right, roughly, 1940 to now seems like a really long time, doesn't it? I mean, think about all the stuff that's happened 
since the 40s. All the changes in the world, all the changes in people's lives. So, so what, what would make 80 years seem short? I mean, what do we compare it to? 100? 150? 500? And what does that larger number correspond to? I mean, given a non-Christian worldview, given a non-Christian outlook of things, where this life is all that there is, and if this life is all there is, then what are we comparing this life to when we say that it's short? What does that larger number correspond to? If this life is all there is, you don't have another life to compare this life to, which means given a non-Christian worldview that this life is all that there is, the phrase life is short is void of meaning. And yet we have this sense that life is short. What do we do with that? How do we account for that? Well, if this life isn't all that there is, then it makes perfect sense. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has placed eternity into man's heart, which is why you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to have a Christian worldview to feel in your heart the brevity of life. In, In your own experience in your own thinking and just the ways you interact with the world you just know that this is so short that this is just so fleeting you don't even need a christian worldview to to feel that and to sense that but you do need a christian worldview to account for it see according to christianity everyone lives forever everyone When James says that life is a a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes, it doesn't mean cease to exist. That's not the Christian view of of human beings. What he means is when, when we die, life in this world, this life, ends. But life in the next just begins. And that life never ends. Everyone, according to Christianity, lives forever. Now, some are going to live forever in the blessed presence of God. Seeing Him, savoring Him, enjoying Him for all that He's worth, for all of eternity, because they've received Christ. They've received forgiveness of their sins. They've received in Christ and what He has done for us a new relationship with God. God becomes our treasure when we receive Jesus. So some are going to experience eternity in the blessed presence of God. Others won't. They'll live outside of that blessed presence. They'll live under God's just and forever punishment because our sins haven't been forgiven. We don't have a Savior. We don't have a relationship with God. We're not reconciled with Him. But in either case, you understand, in either case, the next life never ends. Everyone lives forever. 
This life will end, but the next will not. Okay, now, given that reality, given that view of the world and of life and in the life to come, we can make sense of the phrase now. Life is short. Because we have another life that we can compare it to. And in comparison to eternity, this life that we're living here and now is incredibly short. It's like, as James says, the the, the early morning fog. It's just so thick and so dense, you can barely drive your car through it. And then by mid-morning, it's just completely gone. That's how quickly life passes. That's how short it is. And that's what James is, is calling us to reflect on here, the shortness of life, the brevity of life. But in comparison to the next, the, the shortness of 80 years, if we make it 80 years, compared to eternity, it's so short, it's so quick, just, it's gone. We need to realize how short life really is. And we also need to realize who's in control of it. Look at verse 15. Instead of saying, today or tomorrow we'll do this or that, you ought to say rather, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And James is talking here about God's sovereign control over our lives. And notice the the comprehensive scope of God's control, his meticulous providence over every hair on our head, every day of our life, everything that we do. And there's two words, living and doing. If the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, We will live, and if the Lord wills, we will do. And those two words cover the whole gamut of human life. If the Lord wills, we will live. Which means this. There's ultimately one reason, ultimately, one reason that you woke up this morning. One reason you lived through the night. One reason you made it here safely. One reason that your heart is still beating right at this very moment. One reason is because God wills it. And if God wills it, you'll make it home safely. And you'll make it through another night. And you'll wake up tomorrow morning. And if he doesn't, then you won't. We live and we die not by chance, by the sovereign and supreme will of God. In him we live and move and have our very being. God's will holds you into existence. Think about that. The laws of physics don't ultimately determine our destiny. We don't ultimately determine our destiny. God does. And yet so many people 
are making their New Year's resolutions, they're making their, their New Year plans without ever giving thought to that. They just expect that they're going to get another year. They plan like it's a guarantee, but, but what if it wasn't? What if this year is not a guarantee for you? Well, as, as a matter of fact, it's not. That's what James is telling us here. We're not guaranteed another year. We're not guaranteed another moment. That's the point of our passage. None of us knows what tomorrow is going to bring or whether we're even going to have a tomorrow. And that's because life is not ultimately in our hands. It's not ultimately according to our plans and our resolutions. It's because of God's. Now, what if that fact was in view when we did our yearly planning? What if we gave thought to that? What if we gave thought to who was in control of whether or not we're even going to live to see the end of this year? How might that change the way we make our resolutions? How might that alter the plans that we put together here at the outset of the year? Think about that. If the Lord wills, we will live. And if the Lord wills, we will do. James is referring here to, to any endeavor in life. If God wills, we'll do this or that, which is to say anything and everything. And that means that God is sovereign over everything that you accomplish and over everything that you don't. If we find work or if we don't. If the investment grows or if it goes bust. If the new ministry thrives or falters. If nations rise or fall. It is ultimately owing to God's will, to God's purposes, to God's sovereign control in his universe. All of our living, all of our doing is ultimately in God's hands, not ours. Is that evident? And how we make our resolutions. Is it plain, if somebody were to look at our planning, that God is the one who is in control? It should be. Because life is short. And God is sovereign. We should therefore plan like it. One, one more time at verse 13. Look with me at verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. What is your life? Now, this is not a rebuke of planning. The Bible's not against careful, meticulous planning. The Bible's not against us getting out the Excel spreadsheet, right, and, uh, and putting together the, uh, the flow charts and all those kinds of things. 
fact, Scripture warns us of the folly of not carefully planning. So just give you a couple of examples. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty, that is who, who doesn't plan, just kind of shoots by the hip, as it were, comes only to poverty. Or Proverbs 16.9, and listen here to the compatibility of what we just said about God's sovereignty and, and what we're saying here about our responsibility to plan. Proverbs 16.9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. There, there is no incompatibility between God being in complete sovereign control of everything that you do and of your responsibility to, to diligently plan your life. This is not a rebuke on planning for the future. It's a rebuke on short-sighted planning. It, it is a rebuke of planning without giving thought to eternity. Without giving thought to the God of eternity. Which is why James says that this kind of planning is, is really a form of boasting. It's a form of arrogance. Look at verse 16. As it is, you boast. In your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. See, see planning without God in view is to say, in effect, to say this, if I will, I'll live, and I'll do this or that. It's to say, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're saying when we plan without God in view. And planning without eternity in view is, is in effect to say that this life is all there is. Or at the very least, this life is more important than the next. God wants us to, to live and to plan and to endeavor to do this, to do that in the ever-present conscious reality that there is a life to come. And it is eternal. It never ends. And here and into eternity, we will live and we will do in utter dependence upon God. He wants us to think this way. He wants us to speak this way. He wants us to reflect this in the plans that we put together for our lives and for the lives of our families, for the lives of this church. Anything less, James says, is sin. Look at verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it's sin. And that's true for anything and everything in life, isn't it? When we know what we ought to do and we don't do it, that's what we call the sin of omission. But here he's specifically applying that to our just our planning. And, and understand, this is, not, this is not fulfilled. We don't, we don't live this out just by tacking on a little phrase to all the things that we say and do. You know, well, if the Lord wills, I'll do this, that, or the other. It's far deeper than just that. Douglas Moo in his commentary on this passage is, is so helpful. He writes this, James attributes no magical significance to the words themselves, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills can be nothing more than a glib formula without any real meaning. 
James, rather, wants us to adopt the attitude expressed by the words, listen, as a fixed perspective from which to view all of life. That's how we apply this. We adopt this attitude, this this fixed perspective from which we view anything and everything that we do. Even in our planning for what we hope to do, all of it should be reflective of the supremacy of God and of the reality of the life to come. That's the perspective God calls us to embrace as we plan for the future. Because he is sovereign. And life is short. Let me just ask you, are you planning your year, perhaps your decade, like that? I want to close this morning with an illustration. It's not my illustration, but it's, it's probably the best illustration I know of to kind of bring this home and uh, to really put it in perspective. Uh, imagine I've got a, a huge rope, okay, a, a really long rope. And let's say it starts here and it goes all the way down the aisle and all the way to the back of the church. And let's say it, we open the doors and that rope keeps going, keeps going down 62 and right out of Holmes County, you know, up to Maslin, Canton, clear out of the state. It just keeps going into Canada and it just keeps going and keeps going. It keeps going hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of miles. That rope just keeps going. Imagine that is the life to come. That's eternity that awaits you at the end of this 80 years. Okay, so you get the image of how long that rope is. And I want you to think about your life here and now as this little tiny segment. Okay? Maybe this is generous. Maybe it should be smaller than this. Okay, and you compare this to that rope going all the way out and how far it goes and far it goes. This, this is your 80 years in comparison to, to all of that. That's why this life is short. It's so brief. It's this tiny little segment of eternity. And yet when we plan our lives, when we plan how we're going to invest our time, our resources, the things that we're going to do, the things that we're going to endeavor to accomplish, this is so often the exclusive life that we focus on. We pour everything into this and give almost no thought to all of that. When you look at your plans for this year, how many of them are exclusively focused on this tiny little sliver of eternity? 80 years compared to tens of thousands, millions. It never ends. When you plan your schedules, are you prayerfully scheduling time for eternal things? For holiness, for ministry, for ways in which you can spread the gospel, for ways in which you can advance God's eternal kingdom 
When you plan your budget, are you prayerfully planning to invest in things that are eternal? Not just things here that aren't even going to be around a year from now, but things that will last forever. Are you giving to the spread of the gospel? Are you giving and investing in the advance of God's eternal kingdom? When you plan around your your child's activities, sports and academics, the arts, whatever it might be, are you prayerfully planning on how to invest in them spiritually? On how to help them understand the gospel and to live out the gospel and to spread the gospel? Are you investing in their place in God's eternal kingdom? Do you see how we're changing our perspective on our planning? And you just you take that Focus on the rest of the rope, and you make that primary. That doesn't mean that we neglect this, right? We have to plan a budget. We have to plan the vacations. We have to plan the work schedules. All those things have to be done, but we need to plan them in such a way that it is evident in the way that we think about them and speak about them and plan about them that life is short. God is sovereign. If we truly Embrace that Christian teaching. How would that radically change the way we plan our lives? None of us knows what tomorrow is going to bring or whether we're even going to have it tomorrow. But here's what we do know for certain as Christians. The investment we make in our plans for this life may not last. Many of them definitely won't last. But our investment... And the life to come will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's let's plan this year. Let's plan this decade. Let's plan this life in light of that reality. Jesus, not only does this preserve the fruitfulness of our efforts and uh, and keep us from futility and frustration, but it preserves our joy. It gives us meaning and purpose in the things that we invest ourselves in. So many of the plans that we have for this life get frustrated and they come to naught, but when we invest in your kingdom and the gospel, and the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ for all that he's done for us on the cross and in the resurrection, when we invest spiritually in people's lives, that can't be taken away. That will forever stand as a tribute to your glory and what you're doing in our lives. Help us to to focus on these realities this week as we head into a new year, as we head into a new decade. And may the work of our hands stand for eternity and praise you for your grace in our lives. And we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.